Hey, it's been a while. Thanks for um, sticking with me through a much needed pause at the beginning of the rollout of this podcast. I realized that it felt like I was building a track in front of a car that was already moving. In the coming weeks, I'll eventually have a nice schedule laid out for my main episodes. So that will be a little bit easier to sustain. And in the meantime, I'd like to do a few many episodes, maybe once a week, depending on how news rolls in, just talking through maybe some pop culture, just like like current events that happen week to week. So this is the week of January 20th through the 27th. Today is Saturday the 27th. We've seen a lot like happen this week, but one thing I want to address that happened like a month ago is that Gypsy Rose was released. We were very excited about this in our New Year's uh, episode where we discussed 2023 and kind of flashed back through all the elements that made 2023, 2023. When we recorded it, Gypsy had not yet been released. So it was a it was a big exciting thing. We wanted to see how things unfolded with her and now she has been released. We are true crime girlies. I'm a true crime girly. I was raised to think it was just a normal thing everyone was interested in because my parents and I like I grew up watching Forensic Files and 911, Rescue 911. Like I was a kid and it was something my parents were super into. We're still super into it. So like I have never, it never occurred to me it wasn't normal to be interested in true crime until I was telling a story. I think it was about the Cecil Hotel. If you're familiar, you understand how um, critically frightening <laughs> the stories of the Cecil are. And I was saying this to one of my friends who I didn't, it didn't occur to me, who was not into true crime. And she was like, I get it. I get it. Like, people try to kill each other and they do it all the time. Like, I don't know why we have to talk about it. And I was just like, I'm sorry. Like, it was very eye-opening. So I understand if it's not everybody's bag. For me, it was a huge, it's a huge deal to see a victim of Munchausen by proxy survive. And then the way that Gypsy escaped that, um, being involved with her mother's murder and then being doing her time. And then being released, it's 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 just fascinating, but also it gives me a lot of joy to see her get to kind of start her life over. So I know it's a complicated situation and like murder's never right, like obviously. Um, but I think within the nuance of her situation is very unique and it's extremely interesting and I have so much hope for her. So anyways, that was really exciting she's been out for a month now tomorrow will be a month for her to be free she has a new husband and she's very seriously we're watching her learn about social media and the backlash of social media very quickly for the first few weeks she was very active now I think she's pulled back a little because she sees how it is I think she's a media trainer but um she made so many appearances and I think she was on the view where she had to correct one of the the hosts 
where she was like, you know, I did something wrong and I'm taking, you know, I'm taking responsibility that of that and I've done my time. And um, one of the hosts was like, oh no, honey, you didn't do anything wrong. I think she must've been thinking of something else. But Gypsy was very much like, no, 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 no. I, I did something wrong. Like it was wrong. Um, so it's just been kind of interesting to watch her like navigate that. Um, I just wish her so much like freedom and, and, and happiness. Um, and for people on social media who don't understand it to leave her the hell alone because <laughs> she is um, 10 years behind on all the like memes and understanding the dynamics of social media and she needs a little grace. I know the internet is not a very gracious place. All that to say, I had to get that off my chest because I know it didn't happen this week and she's been a little quiet this week. But I needed to talk through that. I had to say it out loud because I love getting to watch her journey. Again, despite how complicated it is, I really, really wish her the best. I have a few things I want to talk about from this week. And I'm going to get the darker things out of the way first. So if anybody doesn't want to hear about it, they can just skip to the lighter things. So the first thing I want to touch on briefly, because I think it directly is related to the second thing I want to talk about. They're thematically linked, but Trump is being ordered once again to pay $83.3 million to E.G. Carroll for defamation. And I know that's not a fun thing to talk about, but I think it's imperative to discuss. I specifically feel like this is a triumph more than anything. Like if you're not familiar with the case, he was proven in court to have sexually assaulted this woman. And he's been saying in public for years that she's lying about it. So earlier last year, he was ordered to pay her for defaming her by lying about her character. And in court was proven to, by a jury standard and by a judge's standard, to have assaulted this poor woman. And he had to pay her for saying that he didn't and that she's a liar. And after that happened, he just big fat kept talking shit about her anyways. And so here we are again. And she was like, OK, cool. I'll just sue you again and win. And she did. In court, once again, her lawyer in, in her rebuttal was just like, he thinks nothing he does has consequences. He thinks he can just ignore the jury, ignore the courts, ignore the law. And he once again is being shown monetarily, at least, that there are consequences. A tweet that really sat with me was from Keith Edwards. He said, I just want to live in a country where when you're found to have raped a woman, it hurts your candidacy for president. Uh, same. Hashtag same Z's brother. I agree. <laughs> Obviously, this is not going to do much in terms of maybe his base changing their minds. I think they have a lot of their own points of view on things that like news and articles aren't going to change. However, it's good to see that this is happening in like legally speaking, he is he is being proven to have big he is a sexual predator. We already knew that, but now he is like legally speaking, a rapist, <laughs> even if the only consequence for him because of the statutes of limitations, don't even get me started talking about that, are passed. It was proven that it was true. He did do this and he has to pay her every time he says she's a liar. Um, and that allows her to speak. It allows her to say, this happened to me. I'm a woman that this happened to and I can say that this happened and you can't punish me for it. 
or you will be punished because it happened. So don't, I think we live in a culture so often that like creates a situation where like women feel often or anyone, any victims feel often that they can't speak up against their abusers because there's going to be some kind of retribution in, in, in some capacity. And this is showing that the legal system in this case is protecting the victim's right to say what happened to her. Unfortunately, that is relevant in the second story that I'm going to talk about, because again, I'm just not going in order. I'm just getting the bad stuff out of the way. But the Taylor Swift AI photos dropped this week, I guess like two days ago on Thursday, maybe. I try not to pay, I tried not to, to pay too much attention to it because it's so horrific. So much to the degree that like I didn't <laughs> like really even fully understand the situation until like the end of the day. And I was like, my God. But essentially, if you don't know um, what's going on with that, I think, I don't know if it was an NFL fan or not, but the, 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 Images are specifically at a chief game. And so the AI images are very explicit, like sexual images of Taylor Swift at a Chiefs game. And they're horrific, obviously, (laughs) against her consent. She did not consent to this. And uh, some Twitter, her ex or whatever. I'm not going to call it ex. It's Twitter. Um... (laughs) Uh, Some Twitter user posted them and I guess didn't think twice because it eventually became this huge thing. And the reason I started with the Trump story, having to pay that money and then lead into the Taylor Swift thing is they are they are unequivocally linked. One of the most haunting comments to me when I was reading through the articles about it, and of course Taylor Swift is very upset. She hasn't decided if she's going to take action. I hope she does. She tends to be a mover and a shaker. Like when she does, when she does take things into her own hands, she tends to be very influential. So I hope that this will be a small rock that falls into the avalanche of regulating AI photos, as there are photos that are being created by AI of like underage, uh, non-consenting young people, young girls and young young people. So she hasn't decided what she wants to do yet. But one of the comments that I saw was, oh, the fact that she doesn't want these photos out there, I can't explain it, but it makes it hotter. That was probably the most sickening and haunting comment that I saw. It was a from it was from a Twitter user that they they commented directly under these photos that were literally posted directly to Twitter, which of course no one has taken down. Like this, I to this to my knowledge at this point, which is also horrendous. Like Twitter is just a the wild west of disgusting, <laughs> ridiculous debauchery at this point because they they were up for so long and the person has now put his twitter on private but not before saying dang you know like i didn't see this being such a big deal because again a person who would do that obviously doesn't see the consent and autonomy of other people as a big deal to make a photo like that but i do want to focus specifically on that comment i felt like that comment was indicative of he couldn't explain it he was like I can't explain it but that's that makes it hotter that she doesn't like these photos being out there that is so indicative of the toxic view of the toxic misogynistic view that so many young men have of women specifically linked to 
pornography, in my opinion, and how pornography portrays non-consent as sexy so that so many young people who are watching these kinds of things grow up feeling like turned on by these kinds of things and then it becomes rape culture essentially like this is a sexual harassment case now these are not images of the actual taylor swift but it is still predatory against her consent against the consent of of taylor swift as it is her image and people are like fantasizing about her like rape fantasies with her because of these images and a man just fully out there posted maybe it wasn't a man maybe it was a young maybe it was a boy maybe it was a minor i don't know but posted without a second thought, without any shame, it is hotter because she doesn't want these out there. That should alarm all of us. That these photos, while hopefully something good will come of it, that we will have legislation and they will have consequences. Like these images could A, exist in the first place, and then B, with no shame, like, this person can react in that way and not see how messed up it is to say, I like that she doesn't like these being out here. What does that say about that person? But I do think it says a lot about the the climate that we're in as women in this country or female presenting people, femmes, just anybody that toxically masculine men who want to victimize like people in a sexual way to get off that is what we're dealing with that's what we're up against and they do not feel shame they post it for everyone to see without considering how it makes them look maybe it doesn't even bother them that it makes them look a certain way because classically that kind of stuff is cradled and it is fostered by the type of patriarchy that we live in right now with the type of misogyny and sexism that is out there right now so anyways that happened this week Absolutely horrific for Taylor Swift fans, but for any person who cares about your own autonomy and your own consent, you shouldn't have to be a fan of Taylor Swift to think this is a horrific thing that has happened or for it to seem like a extremely frightening possibility for it to happen to you or to someone you love. You know, and so it's it's hard being online. Again, I'm on Twitter, which is like the wild west of morality of this point and like just the weirdest hot takes you'll ever see. And so there are people on there like, oh, my God, she should shut up. Oh, my God, she should just it's she's famous. Like, who cares? Like, oh, my God, she's this. She's that. Like, she'll be fine. I find that lack of empathy for just another human to be really, really frightening. I also try to remember that those kind of people probably would never really talk that way in real life. And so people are really, really brave behind a screen. But all that to say, it proves a point of the lack of connectivity that we have with humanity (laughs) when there are people who can say, yeah, that happened to her, but like, who cares? Like, she's rich. It is exactly that reason it's frightening to the rest of us. Um, She has a stalker who was arrested three times in five days because even a very, even a billionaire pop star who is the most famous person maybe in the world is still struggling with this, is still having to struggle with the law not being able to protect her. This billionaire woman who, again, most famous person in the world is still struggling to keep AI images of herself 
being brutally placed in explicit positions and all these things. She is struggling to keep that from happening to her. So if it happens to her with all of her literally limitless resources, because there's very little you can't do if you have a billion dollars, um, can't get this to be to be protected from this, then the rest of us do not have a chance. And that speaks to the stalker laws and how much the law has cracks within it that do not support our victims, which again is why I started with the the E. Jean Carroll thing, because she is a victim that is finally, she's in her 80s, but she is finally getting to speak her truth without retribution. She's getting justice. What I hope to see with this Taylor Swift thing as horrific as it is that it's happening, it is. there's no silver lining. It is terrible. I'm hoping we can at least see some legislation. I hope that she can make a move because I know she's done it in the past where she has sued a person, a man who sexually assaulted her, grabbed her ass underneath her skirt, and she sued him for a dollar. And I need her to come back with the pettiness of the Scorpio rising that she is. I know that like my astro girlies know the kind of year this is supposed to start becoming the era that we're supposed to be entering. I hope that she can bring it and hope to overturn and change some of the things that are victimizing even the most powerful women. Um, A straight presenting cis white billionaire female pop star struggling with these things. Um, there is a lot less resources for the rest of us if it were to happen to us. And it is happening to other young people who are not, who do not have the resources that Taylor Swift has. And they, I think I read an article the other day, like when this was happening, that a young girl, a teen, ended up completing suicide because AI images of her were going around, of like nude AI images were going around of her. The idea that this is going on unregulated is so deranged. And it's the thing that is most frightening to me is we all knew this was going to happen eventually. And no one stepped in and said, maybe we should regulate this before something happens. But we've had loss of life now because of this, because no one has regulated it, you know. And now we have these horrible images being reposted around, you know, of, of Taylor Swift. Uh, it's so hard to, to, to stop that once it starts going. So I hope that she can step in and do something. All that to say, we are now over with the, the bad stuff. We're going to talk about the good stuff now or good stuff as far as I'm concerned, because I am me and I have my own opinions. And if you don't like my opinions, that's okay. They're just my opinions, but we are going to now move away from very, very heavy. And we're going to talk about Justin Timberlake's new single being topped by a Britney Spears bonus track from 2011. (laughs) Okay, so I got to take a sip of my drink for this, y'all. So if you guys listen to a few of my other podcast episodes so far, you know how I feel about Justin Timberlake. We talked about him and we talked about Britney Spears' book. And again, I think it was the 2023 um, recap. And... We are not Justin Timberlake fans in this house. We do not love him. I've I have never liked him. I don't want to be like I'm not like other girls. I'm not I'm not saying that in a way where I think I'm superior. I will just admit that I honestly have never understood the appeal. He's not attractive in my opinion. I just don't get it. He's not my he's not my type. I'm not into blondes. I don't I don't I don't get it. All that to say, 
I could not be more pleased to see this man continue to suffer (laughs) because of the petty grudge. And I don't mean petty in a way like they don't need to have a grudge. I just mean like, I mean it, parentheses, complimentary to the Britney stands saying, you know what? We don't forget and we'll never let it go. And seeing that his new single that he dropped this week, I get like, I know hoping to go to number one and it was called Selfish. And they said, you know what? Britney also has a song called Selfish. What if we did this? (laughs) And they, in all their power, I saw a tweet the other day that said, Britney fans walked so Swifties could run. And I believe that. That is such a true statement. (laughs) They said, okay, we are going to get her 2011 bonus track. It was never even a single called Selfish. And we are going to top this man's brand new single. Uh, He's trying to make a comeback. No, we're going to make mothers selfish. We're going to make her Bonus drop from 2011, the number one. And I saw a few TikToks like come up on my feed. And as they progressed, it was like, oh, we're in the top 100. Oh, now we're in the top 20. We're top 10. We're four. And then by the end of my scroll session that night, it was last night. (laughs) They were like, she's number one. We made it number one. And I like all I could do was just grin and feel like, the karmatic energy, it's just so satisfying. And I applaud the Britney fans for that. I love, love that for them. Love that for Justin Timberlake. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. I just feel like he lived his life 20 years of no consequences, skirting underneath how he behaved badly. And now he's having to get it all at once. <laughs> he like just can't escape it and it's in the smallest ways he's like okay i'm gonna drop this like maybe it'll be okay but maybe it's not and even obviously that like britney's like bonus track is not gonna stay up there it's for it's britney fans like playing it playing playing it maybe it will i don't know but it the fact that it topped justin's song in the first week that it dropped that's iconic that is just amazing and so what it's done is it's changed the narrative of Justin's comeback is here. Oh my gosh, this is happening. Like, here he is, his new single. And the media is covering Britney fans bumping Britney's song up above it. That's the narrative. And I love that. It's just, they're stealing his joy as they should. I I applaud them. So the next thing I'm going to hit on real, really fast, because I'm not as knowledgeable I'm not like knowledgeable at all as I should be to discuss this, but I've been gagged and gooped like my jaws been on the floor all morning, all night last night because Hiss by Megan the Stallion was dropped. And the way that the song has me by the throat, it is incredible. If you haven't listened to it, drop everything now, give it a listen. Maybe don't even just listen, but go to YouTube and watch the music video. She's just incredible. But from what I can gather, because obviously I am a Taylor Swift fan, white, white girl, millennial. All right. I'm not knowledgeable about hip hop or rap. I'm not in the hip hop space. So I'm not going to talk too long about it. But this woman is everything to me. (laughs) She is a goddess. I think she is so incredible. And I've always loved her. But like watching the Twitter space begin to discuss 
the the beef i guess that's happening here um my tiktoks have started to like algorithm and find me and start explaining things so i have black tiktokers and black twitter is kind of like trying to educate me they're not trying to i'm reading it and i'm learning from them but the way that meg essentially destroyed everyone that has ever said her had her name in their mouth in this one like i think it's like a two and a half minute song is incredible um, but my favorite line, what really hooked me in, again, true crime girly, is, I'm not going to say the line because I could never be amazing like her. But essentially, Megan says, she's not mad at Megan. She's mad at Megan's law. I, like, had to pause the song because I was just like, oh, my sweet Lord, that is so incredibly tough. I'm sure everyone already knows if you're a Megan fan what she's referencing, but... Megan's Law is a law that was the namesake for a young, a poor young girl who was a, a child, a little baby, and was murdered by um, a sex offender who lived next door. And if she had, like, if her family had only known that a sex offender lived next door to her, then they would have maybe been able to prevent this from happening because he had done this before. And so Megan's Law is the namesake of this poor young victim because she and her death, her case was the reason why the sex offender registry exists. And you can look, you can look online and see these are where all the sex offenders are. And I know how to protect my family. You know, we know where not to go. We know like who to look out for that kind of thing. It just gives um, citizens more like, like autonomy, I guess, in their own neighborhood, more information. And she slung that that line at Nicki Minaj because Nicki's brother and her chosen husband are both on that list as sex offenders. And you can't, in my opinion, can't come back from that. (laughs) Nicki's response, as I understand it, has been to get on Instagram live and her comebacks have basically been not great. They've, they've, ranged from not very good to just now you're just being like hateful and that's and it's not even lyrical you know what I mean so I think Nikki has definitely felt the impact all that to say that was incredible we had one drop of a of a single Justin Timberlake glad that it went badly this one Megan the Stallion hiss glad it's going great (laughs) the final thing I want to talk about in this mini episode are the Oscar nominations. So they dropped earlier this week. And I also want to get into the Barbie snub discourse that was online because it was wild, y'all. I, I've i been in film Twitter, God, since like it's in, in since Twitter existed. Like I got a Twitter in 2009. Jesus, that was so long ago. And I was on it for a while before I found like a, a group of people that I wanted to just like run with on the app. But it was... Twitter film people, people who like film. And I've been di- I've been absent from film Twitter for a long time. But I love the Oscars. I love award season every year. And so I was like, okay, this year I really want to be purposeful about it. Because last year I got excited about the Oscars, but it was too late. And I hadn't seen enough of the movies. And I was like, this year I'm like, 
oh, I'm going to watch all the Oscar movies and I'm going to throw an Oscar party, which I am throwing an Oscar party. I'm very excited about. And so the nominations like hit me. I was like, heck yeah, this is so fun. This is so interesting. So I thought there was some pretty interesting things going on with the Oscar nominations. But when I entered the Twitter sphere for the day or X or whatever the hell it's called, I was like really shocked to see like some reactions. And so I want to kind of talk through those things. And I'm just going to go through the the categories and give my take and then I'll talk about the Barbie conversation. So I'm on the actual Oscars webpage and I'm going to talk through some snubs that I noticed, but I'm not mad about kind of anything this year. So the rage I saw online was like very crazy to me, but I'm not overall. I, there are things where I'm like, that sucks. But like overall, I feel good about it. All right. So actor in a lead role, if you're interested in the Oscars, you probably already know everything. But the biggest thing to me in this was not seeing Leo DiCaprio from Killers of the Flower Moon or Killers of the Flower Moon. Like I, he's been nominated in every other award show. I thought he was a shoe in because to me, Killers of the Flower Moon is my favorite Oscar movie of this year, of this season. And so I was like, well, yeah, like he's going to get nominated. Robert De Niro's going to get nominated. Lily Gladstone's going to win. And so when I, I was like, I didn't even, it didn't even register that he wasn't in there because I didn't even think to look for his name because I just assumed he was going to be in there. And he's not. <laughs> I'm excited that Jeffrey Wright is in there for American fiction. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I love Jeffrey Wright. So like cool for him. I haven't seen Maestro. Don't want to see Maestro. I'm going to be really honest. I am not a Bradley Cooper person. Wasn't a huge fan of his whole brag that he banned chairs on his set as if that is supposed to be something where like oh cool that makes you a really cool guy Bradley like to me that just sounded like he was being a real like dick on set and then was bragging about it later so I'm not interested in that movie I'm not interested in seeing him play that role and I'm not interested he's not gonna win so like don't really feel I don't feel like I need to see it but Coleman Domingo being nominated is incredible I don't I didn't know who he was before I have to sometimes I just don't know things I wish that I had always known and then I learned them from these kind of nominations and I'm like oh my god why didn't I already know this man he seems amazing so I, I need to, to watch Rustin because he seems so incredible and amazing also if you haven't looked up his like looks on the red carpet please go do that he is just incredible and beautiful anyways all that to say I know Killian Murphy is gonna win for Oppenheimer so I didn't consider looking at Leo the only time I realized he wasn't in there it didn't occur to me until I was like, I just looked up like, I was like, okay, Oscar snubs. And it was like 9am, like they dropped and I was reading through them and I was like, cool, 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 cool. These are the people that are there. Oh, there's no Greta Gerwig in director. That's the one thing I was for sure looking for. And I was like, okay, that sucks. But then I looked up the rest of the snubs and I saw that Leo was one. So I was just like, oh my God, whoa, shocking. Didn't even realize that. Um, but like, he's not going to win anyway. So whatever. I was also shocked. God, everything I want to talk about, I haven't actually gotten a chance to see yet. But Color Purple was shut out of Best Picture nomination, if I understand. Let me scroll down. Best Picture. Okay, so we've got, for Best Picture, American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Yeah, so I, for some reason, was just 
certain that the musical The Color Purple was going to get nominated because I saw the show on stage. I didn't get to go to the Broadway show, but I did get to see it when it was touring. It's gorgeous. There was so much like hype and like just muttering of how incredible everybody was in it. And Daniel Brooks got nominated for Best Supporting Actress, which I love her so much. And I just thought that we were going to see way more from that film. And unfortunately, we didn't. So that was a big snub to me. So the big the biggest snubs to me were obviously going to be like Leo because I just it I thought the Oscars are going to happen as certain as Leo will be nominated. That is how certain I was. Um, And then Greta Gerwig not being in director and The Color Purple not being nominated at all. But that is not what happened. (laughs) People got really crazy about Ryan Gosling being nominated, which I got to be honest, like that is very strange (laughs) to me. I don't know why he's nominated. I don't know who is being left out of that category considering he was in that he was nominated. But we've got Sterling K. Brown, who I am in love with. And most people know him from This Is Us, I guess. I've never seen that. Us Supernatural girlies (laughs) who have watched that that horrific 15-year show remember him as one of the most compelling reoccurring characters in season two or three of Supernatural and he plays um, a character who hunts vampires because they killed his sister and then but his sister becomes a vampire he killed his sister that's part of his backstory and they realize halfway through they're like oh yeah we get it he has like the sad backstory because his sister was killed by vampires well no it turns out his sad backstory is he actually killed his sister because she became a vampire anyway so then he becomes a vampire and Sam has to like decapitate him with like barbed wire or something it's crazy anyways that is like where I know him from that's the starting of me understanding who Sterling K Brown is and he's so incredible everything he does and so I'm so excited to see him being nominated he's and he's very beautiful my goodness um Robert De Niro made it for Killers of a Flower of the Flower Moon Robert Daddy Jr. made it I love him so much for Oppenheimer And Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. Like, those make sense to me. I don't know who was left out, like, from the Golden Globes. Um, Maybe no one. But I know that there... I thought that there were separate categories for these. And that's why maybe Ryan Gosling hadn't been up against some of these. But no, he's, like, in there. And I will say, like, that's weird to me. But, like, go off, King. It was a fun role. It was cool. I wasn't mad about it. But actress in a leading role is interesting because... It is stacked pretty deep, but I, I haven't seen Nyad, which y'all don't worry. I will see every, everything for the Oscars. So I won't have like opinions about things before I've actually seen it when I see the actual show. But I have to watch Nyad because Annette Benning is in there. But I believe that Lily Gladstone has to win kill, for Killers of the Flower Moon. I haven't seen a performance as compelling as what she as what she gave us in in anything in a long time and not that all the the rest of them didn't do an incredible job um emma stone was amazing and poor things but what lily gladstone had to dig in and do the subtleties and i think martin scorsese even talked about this like when he was talking about how he wanted to cast her he said there was something in the way that her the pain sits inside her and and it, it comes out in this subtle way he was like i needed that he needed 
her to be able to do the the big scene, you know, at the, in the basement when she finds out spoilers that her her sister was murdered in in a explosion. But he also needed like the subtlety of the sadness and the pain being like sitting in her chest and coming out subtly through her face. She's just incredible. Like that isn't to say Emma Stone wasn't. It's just different. I just think Lily Gladstone. She has to win. She has to win. We'll have a conversation after the show <laughs> if she doesn't. But like, so when I see this list and I don't see Margot Robbie as an actress, I think, okay, it's because this is a really, really intense, intensely talented list. I don't see it as like, oh, they hate Margot Robbie or they think she did a bad job. I think they just think she, she, maybe she was the sixth man, you know? And like, what she did, what Margot did for Barbie, I mean, it was beautiful. And people want to say that this is the d discourse that I have seen online is we don't have a middle ground. There's like no middle ground between, oh, well, Barbie wasn't nominated because it was stupid and her performance wasn't that good to the other side of the spectrum of if it's not nominated and Margot doesn't get a nomination for acting, then the whole, this is a huge misogynistic sexist like thing and they everyone hates women or whatever it's just there's there was no in between and I was like it could just be that like Ryan Gosling's category was easier than Margot Robbie's and also Margot Robbie's performance was award worthy in certain arenas just not the Oscars like she got nominated for other awards and her performance was beautiful and her performance was subtle and it connected with so many people like that is a beautiful performance but it's okay that she's not nominated for an oscar like you can find the middle ground it doesn't have to be the world hates women because of this it also doesn't have to be well barbie's stupid anyways like what this is stupid this is this conversation is stupid so all that to say that's how i feel about that i was really bummed out about director Mostly because I do feel that the Academy just cannot find it in their heart to, they just can't nominate more than one female director. They can't do it. Like, <laughs> I think that they look at it. They're like, there's five spots. We usually give them to men. So if we fill one with a woman, we're done. And I just think that's messed up. Um, so yeah, I was pissed about Greta. Um, I was pissed about Celine. But we did get a female director despite that. Uh, in Justine Trite, in, which is a form of movie I have not yet seen, so I need to. So I don't know. I think that there's so much heavy handedness in the conversation. Like it's either black or white and we have to like stop doing that. But again, I saw a lot of this discourse. Oh, I will say exclusively this discourse was just on Twitter. So it, it's maybe not even being discussed anywhere else. I don't know. I don't have a lot of film TikToks come up on my my social media. But I will say, at the end of the day, I think there are good things happening. Like Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig were both still nominated for their work on Barbie. And someone pointed out that Emma Stone is nominated as a producer or was nominated as a producer last year, maybe. And that's fun to see is that the points that I really enjoyed and that I that I saved to my favorite tweets is that twits, tweets is that we are overall seeing more women in roles of like management and power and like decision making and that Margot Robbie helped produce Barbie and without her being able to do that without her producing it 
this movie probably wouldn't have been made in the first place. She made all these decisions. She made all these moves. She supported it with financially in a way that allowed it to be made, um, which is why we have it. And that Greta Gerwig helped, like wrote, wrote it and she got a screenplay nod with her husband now, Noah Baumbach. And so I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding about like what the Oscars A means and like B how it functions. I think people who have maybe never watched award season uh, like are t- tuning in for the first time because of Barbie. And that's a good thing. Like we want the health of cinema and people's interest in cinema to be up. I think rage is just like everyone's first reaction online. And that's why it happened in the way that it did. I think specifically because America Ferreira was nominated for like supporting actress. So that was a surprise to me. I don't think what America Ferreira did in the movie struck me as award nominated, like worthy, but like, that's, I mean, I'm not mad about it. Like good for her. And she is a, a very good actress and I get how her, what people are calling kind of feminism 101 monologue struck a bunch of people deeply. And I think one thing we don't talk about enough is while, you know, just because you maybe don't need to hear something because you're deeper into your journey with understanding a concept, you're, you're further along in understanding feminism, like you think we should be further along as a society of understanding feminism that doesn't necessarily mean that like small glimpse into or like introduction to feminism 101 isn't necessary for many, 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 many other people, you know, like maybe you're right. Maybe we should be further as a society in understanding feminism. But like, if you take a look outside at the reality, like we obviously still need feminism 101. Like I live in Texas, dude. Like I am in a state where they are trying to shut highways down to keep women from like finding ways to control what happens with their own body. This, we need, we need 101, you know, we need feminism 101. And if a blockbuster movie like Barbie, that is so surreal and so funny and silly and, and so broadly loved, you know, a billion dollar film, a blockbuster, I will say it again, can bring that idea into the minds of people that maybe have never thought of it that way. Young boys, maybe men, grown men who have never thought of those things, then that's good. Um, So if that is something that contributed to America Ferreira being nominated, I think it's good. It might be shocking, but it's good. Um, So I don't know. I'm not mad about it. I know we have a few firsts this year, Jodie Foster and uh, Coleman Domingo were the first two people to be openly queer actors playing openly queer characters. So that's those are the first two nominees in that way, which is very exciting. Obviously, Lily Gladstone is one of the first um, indigenous people to be nominated in the best actress leading role she is not the first indigenous in north america i was reading that there is a clarification we need to make because an indigenous woman from mexico has been nominated but lily gladstone is the first um um, like american like usa united states um indigenous woman to be nominated i need to go back and like double check those things those exact those exact things but um it's is such an important 
thing. And I think a lot of people, when um, a nominee gets something like this, like all this like buzz about how she will be the first, she will be like one of the first. This is such a cosmically and like record setting thing. There are always detractors who are like, oh, well, she's just going to win because she's indigenous, because it'll set a record, not because she's good at whatever she did in the role. And I think like that just cannot be that can't be an argument in this case, because if you have seen Killers of the Flower Moon, you can't deny how incredible she was in it. So I'm very excited for her, excited to watch the show um, this year, to watch the award show this year. I don't think I'm going to go too deep into much else because this is already too long to be a mini and yet I'm still going to call it a mini episode. (laughs) But all that to say, I hope you guys are having a great start to your 2024. I know that I needed a few weeks to acclimate to it. So I appreciate you if you've returned to listen to a little bit more verbal processing. I just kind of like I could call this podcast like word vomiting (laughs) but I didn't um I I tried to make it sound a little cuter but look for other word vomity (laughs) many episodes in the future when we can touch on some interesting stuff that happens throughout each week current events and pop culture and our main episodes are going to be uh start coming through again pretty soon until then I hope you guys have a great week and I will see you in February (laughs) 